or a vote of confidence. I'm about to die, and y'all are all going to run away. Now, of course, we, we have Peter, the guy who just doesn't ever know when to stop talking, right? I mean, he's just got to say something. And he's like, listen, Jesus, these other dudes, they, they may leave you. They may all run away. I got your back. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay with you. And so Peter says that, and then Jesus says, Peter, you need to know that by the time the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And so this is real encouraging for these guys, right? They've heard some terrible news. It's about to come to an end. Remember, they, they have just spent time at, at, during the, in the upper room there where they've uh, shared together in supper, and Jesus had said one of them will betray them. Judas is out doing just that right now. And it is about to take place where Jesus is betrayed into the hands of sinful men and he's taken to the cross. These would be troubling times for anyone. But Jesus offers hope. And so chapter 14, as I said, comes after chapter 13. Now you see why it's important, right? Because it's following up what he just said. And so he doesn't want to leave his people. He doesn't want to leave his disciples without hope. And so this morning I want to speak to you about comforting truths for troubling times, comforting truth for troubling times. And we see this in verses 1 through 6 of John chapter 14. I want to read through all, verse, all six verses and then we'll walk back through them and talk about them uh, one at a time. So, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am you may be also, and you, will, you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him here in verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray that you'd be with us as we look at your word. God, that we would listen to your word, that we would have the ears that we need to hear from you, that we would have the hearts open to receive you, and God, that you would give us the grace to obey you. Help me to preach your word well, God. Help me not to get in your way this morning. God, help us with all of the distractions we have in our lives and all the different things going on. Lord, help us not to allow those things to block out your voice in our in our hearts this morning but god help us to see those things through the lens of the gospel god give us a, give us hope and comfort for a troubling times this morning please lord in jesus name amen and so there 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 are some truths that we're going to look at as we walk through this i wonder how many of you have ever had a troubling time in your life has anybody ever had a troubling time maybe one or two right Maybe going through five or six right now. There's all sorts of things that come up in our life that cause us trouble, that cause us anxiety, that cause us to worry and wonder what's going to happen tomorrow. These guys have just been told that Jesus is about to die and they're going to betray him or at least run away from him. We, we, we struggle daily, weekly, yearly, monthly with any number of troubling times in our life. And the question is, how do we deal with those times? How do we deal with the trouble in our life? How do we cope when we're going through those times? How do we just keep from, you know, curling up in the fetal position and giving up? How do we face days that are simply too much for us to handle? 
And so this is the truths that Jesus is going to give us this morning, these, this truth for troubling times or this comfort for troubling times. We see the first part here in verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled, or let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And so Jesus first instructs his disciples, and he instructs us as well to replace fear with faith. We are to, to replace our fear with faith. The greatest weapon uh, against the fear that rises us up against us is faith in the Lord Jesus. Because fear can paralyze us. It can make us unable to move. It can consume us and cause us to do all sorts of just things that we, we ought not be doing. Uh, my wife, for example, uh, she's not in here. And it makes it so much easier to share these stories, by the way. But I can be so much freer, you know. I know y'all never tell her. But, but anyway, no, I'm just kidding. She listens, so she'll hear it. But uh, So there's no need for you to tell her. <laughs> but, but one thing I know about my wife is I do not sneak up on her and scare her. The only reason why you would want to do that is if you want a bloody lip. I, I mean, she cannot handle being scared. If I, like, you know what I'm talking about when you sneak up and you're like, boo? Yeah, I've only done that once or twice. She didn't actually get me in the face, but I think she was aiming. You know, like it, she just, she goes into defense mode. She's frightened, you know, that, that, and you may be that way too. When somebody startles you, you just immediately respond, right, in defense. And so fear has a way of causing us to, th- to act before we think. As a, well, you think about it. So how many of you are scared of mice? There's only one or two of you are actually willing to admit. Thank you, thank you. We got a few people who will be honest with us this morning, right? But and even those of you who claim not to be, I have my suspicions. But but you think about it. Like if you're sitting there and a mouse runs across the floor, you jump, right? You go, what was that? But you're not really thinking. Like you step on a mouse and what happens? it's dead, right? I mean, it's no more unless it's like a big rat and that's a whole different issue. And we, uh, you know, that's, it's okay to be scared of them. They may take off your leg. But, but uh, I mean, it, we, when we think about these things, sometimes we, we kind of feel foolish, right? Oh, it's a, it's a little cute little mouse. No, it's not cute. It's the spawn of Satan, right? I don't know. But, uh, I mean, same with spiders. We go through a whole list of those sorts of things. But, but we, we find ourselves frightened and we find ourselves running away when we should stand and we, we find ourselves attacking when maybe we should hold up and wonder what's going on. But, but that's not just when we're startled. You, you think about life. Sometimes we, we don't pursue the career that we really dream of because we're afraid of the failure that may result. I don't think I'm good enough to make it, so I'm not even going to try. Or you, you think... And I know none of this has happened to any of you guys out there. I'm sure you're all super confident. How many times were you afraid to ask a girl out because you were afraid she would say no? Maybe a few, right? Maybe a few of you. But, but uh, I mean, it's, fear causes us not to pursue things that maybe we ought to. It causes us to, to, to do things that we ought not to do and to do other things that we... Uh, it causes us to do things we ought not to do and it causes us to not do things God is calling us to. I know, I think about the, the way that sometimes when we get hurt and we get betrayed, it makes it where we're more and more fearful to really put ourselves out there and be vulnerable and, and make new friends and build new relationships. We, we've failed once and so that's enough for us. Fear can control us and cause us to miss out on the things that God has called us to do and the things that He wants us to do. And so what's the cure for fear? The cure for fear is faith. Said a minute ago, Jesus tells his disciples to replace their fear with faith. 
When Jesus says here, don't be troubled, don't let your hearts be troubled, he's using a word, that, that the, the word behind it here in the Greek is the word that means to be stirred up or, or tossed around like water in a lake or a pool when the wind blows on it and it's tossed about. He says, don't, don't allow your insides, your emotions, to, your, your fear to cause you to be tossed around and, and, and swirling around. You, some of you may know what that's like. Like if, you're, if your tummy is attached to your emotions, right? When you get upset or fearful, you, you get a tummy ache. You know, that, that's sort of what he's talking about here, this emotion that but we almost, you can see the picture when the waves are white-capping. That's what's going on inside internally of these, these guys. And so he says, replace that fear with faith. Believe in God and believe in Jesus. They were shaken. I mean, what if they're taken? What, what happens if Jesus is taken from them and the Jews come and kill them? What happens if they all lose their life? What happens? I mean, you think about it. The guys who walked away from pretty lucrative businesses, Jesus says, oh, by the way, I'm about to die and you all are going to run around afraid. Like, has this all been a waste? Like, they, they may be afraid of what's to come next. And we know what this is like, right? Like when the doctor comes in and gives us the news that we weren't looking to hear or when the company we've worked for shuts down or downsizes. And we watch the news and we see what's going on in our world and we say, what's next? When we have to, to move out on our own and, and fend for ourselves. When we start our first or second or third or fourth or fifth job when we buy our house, first house, or when, when all of a sudden a baby is born and now we're responsible for this little thing, how we take care of it, right? I mean, this beautiful creation, I'm sorry, but I didn't mean little thing. But uh, th those things can cause us to be shaken internally. They can cause us to be fearful. Some of them are great things. Some of them are things and trials that we go through in life. And so Jesus is saying to them, when you come here, and he's saying to us, when you come to this point, replace your fear with your faith. The problem is, as I was thinking about this, the problem is, and the problem for these guys, and I, I, the problem for us, at least for me, I don't mean to put my issues on you, but the difference, that the problem between, the, the wall between me and true faith a lot of times is, well, it's me. Like, I, I'm my biggest problem. You see, because what ends up happening is, is we believe in ourselves. You notice who Jesus tells us to believe in here in verse 1. He says, believe in God, believe also in me. Believe in God, believe in Jesus. He doesn't say, believe in God, believe in Jesus, and believe in Peter, James, and John. No, no, it, the world would have you believe in yourself. That's not who Jesus says you put your faith and your strength in to overcome what it is you're about to face. Uh, you, you think about the way that we're taught from an early age that we should depend on our determination and our inner strength. Like our, one of our favorite books, right, as we're growing up is Thomas the Train. I don't know if y'all ever read that book. How does he get over the hill? I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Determination and inner strength. Now, now before I go further, I need to clarify I don't mean that you shouldn't try hard and you shouldn't work hard. Like, don't go home and be like, hey, Mom, I agree with Pastor John. I shouldn't have to do anything ever again. It's all going to be okay. That's, that's not what I mean. But we, we have to be careful because sometimes we equate what the world sees as success is what Jesus is, calls us to do, which is trust in ourselves. That's not what he's talking about here. That's not what we're called to do. What he's saying here is when fear that freezes you in your tracks, when you see tomorrow coming and you don't know what to do about tomorrow, you put your faith in the Lord. It, the, the fear that causes you not to pursue God's call on your life, it's not about how strong you are, it's about how strong He is. You replace that fear with faith when you realize it's really not about you. 
It's finally coming to the end of yourself and realizing that you can't. I want you to think about Peter's reaction. Think, think about his reaction. Jesus says, Peter, or he says to all the disciples, you're going to deny me. You're going to run away. You're not going to be able to handle what's about to come. And Peter's response is, watch and learn, buddy. I got this. Of which he doesn't, right? Like Jesus says, you're going to deny me. And he denies him. He proves that he can't. But until he came to that moment, he, 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 didn't, he really believed in himself. He really believed he could accomplish it. Because when we really believe only in ourselves and not trust in the Lord, we're not enough. We are going to find ourselves full of fear. Like I said, this is something that's plagued me. I'm, I'm not a quick learner all the time. It's like, I think I've shared with you before, um, back when I, when I used to lift all the time, work out a lot, I had this theory in my mind that it didn't matter how much weight I put on the bench press, I could lift it as long as I knew nobody could come and help me. That's smart, right? Like, the adrenaline will take over, I'll push that baby up, I'm going to get a new max. Like, that was my, my thinking. And I was married, so that tells you I was no longer a child. Like, I'm actually an adult and I'm still thinking that. So, like, you know, wisdom doesn't just magically appear one day. You have to learn these things sometimes the hard way. So, like, I, I put more weight on there than I'd ever lifted. And, and I get down there and I go to push it up and guess what happens? It sits there on my chest. I'm the only one in the gym. Like, there's no one around. I can't call for help. It doesn't matter how yell I scream or, or how loud I scream. I'm not moving anywhere. Like, it's just not happening. I'm sitting there like this. So I have to, you know, roll it off, and anyway, I end up bruised and everything. It's a terrible thing. But, but I think that's what happens sometimes with us. We believe that we can just power through things. We believe if we just push hard enough, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, we can get over this hump. We can get over this battle. But Jesus doesn't say try harder. He says believe in God and believe in Him. That's, that's what we're called to do. If we're honest this morning... When we are really in trouble, it's when we start saying, I think I can, I think I can, I'm going to get through this. I don't really know if I even need God's help. And then we begin to think, oh wait, maybe I do. And the fear grows, right? Because what if we can't? What if this weight really is too heavy for us to lift? What if this stuff comes along and it really goes as badly as it looks like it's going to go and I'm left with it sitting on my chest? What then? See, that's where the disciples were. They were afraid because they couldn't figure out how they were going to make it. Because the truth is, is they couldn't. But Jesus offers hope. He offers a spotter. He says, guys, I, I don't want you to try and lift the weight. It's too much for you. Believe in God. Believe in Jesus. Fear repla faith replaces fear. Faith is fear's, fear's cure. And so, so let me clarify. Faith is not believing everything will work out smoothly and we'll never have problems. Like, and so so to, to back up and say, let me say this. It doesn't matter how much faith these guys have, Jesus is still going to the cross. It doesn't matter how much faith these guys have, he's told them they're, they're going to desert him. Things are still going to go badly for him, for them. The faith comes in when they believe that whatever they face, God can get them through it. See, faith is, as someone has said, faith is trusting God's heart even when you can't see his hand. Even when your whole world crashes in on you, believing that He is good, believing that He has not left you, believing He's going to get you through it, that's faith. Faith is looking at that trouble in the eye and saying, God is bigger, God is stronger, and He will pull me through there. And so, so we, we trust in Him when we can't trust 
in ourselves. And so we, we replace, I think I can, with, I know He will. We replace, I think I can, with, I know He will. And that's what we see here in verses 2 and 3. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? So right here, let's look at verse 2. Jesus says to him, In my Father's house are many rooms. If we're not so, would I have told you that I go prepare a place for you? Here we learn that we are to find peace in His promise. We're to find peace in His promise. Like if you're stirred up on the inside this morning, you're shaking and you're, you're fear. Jesus wants to bring calm to your heart. He wants to give you peace. He wants to steal those emotions. I, I remember when I was a, a kid, we used to go camping on Lake Washita uh, all the time. We'd go camp out on the islands. Man, it's fun, right? I don't, I don't know if I would want to do it at my age, but, but it was fun when I was a kid. I, I thank my mom and dad for going through that with us. But, but it, you know, going out on the island, taking a tent, sleeping on the ground, it was amazing. But, uh, uh, you know, we'd get up early in the morning, about, about daylight, to go fishing, and the wind hadn't really picked up yet. And you'd look out across that water, and the back in the coves and things, and that water would just be still. It'd look like a sheet of glass. It was perfectly calm, perfectly still. I think that's what Jesus is, is wanting for us here. To quiet the, the winds and the, and the waves of our, of our fear and give us a peace, a calmness, even in the middle of, of the greatest troubles we've ever faced. He wants to bring us comfort and peace even though things are not going how we think that they are to go. So when we are stirred up, Jesus wants to bring us calming peace. His promise here is amazing. Think, think about what he says. He says that he goes to prepare a place for us in his Father's house. He says, in my Father's house are many rooms. Now, I know in the, in the King James' words, translated mansions, and that's, that's wonderful, but, but that's not really what Jesus is getting at here. You see, what, what he's getting at it, it, is that this, this is a, a dwelling. It's, it, it's not necessarily, you know, MTV Cribs or, you know, House Hunters Heaven Edition. That's not what Jesus is aiming at here. What he's talking about is the fact that in that day, what would happen is the dad would build his house. And then he would have kids and he would have relatives. And he'd say, y'all come live with me. And he would build rooms onto his house so that they all could live together as one big family. I know that wouldn't work out all the time for us, but that's, that's what Jesus is talking about here when he talks about heaven and the fact that there are many rooms. He's talking about the fact that God is inviting us to come live with him. Like we get to live in the big house up on the hill. We get to live with the, the Father of heaven and earth. Like th Think about this. Like, you know, when my kids get upset at night and they... They, they can come right into our room. They can just cross the hall and come in and wake us up. It's amazing, right? No, not really, but it will be amazing when we move in with our daddy, when we move in with our heavenly father. What Jesus is promising here, his emphasis here, is not necessarily even on the type of dwelling. It's on the fact we are going to be with the one who made us. We are going to have a relationship with him that's face-to-face. Hey, we're going to have a relationship with him that never goes away. Jesus is going to prepare a place for us. How does he prepare this place? The answer is through his cross. Listen to the requirements of entering the Father's house. This is from the book of Revelation. This is what the Bible says about heaven. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false. Nothing unclean will ever enter it. Think about that. Just, I mean, just that right there. And this is not all the requirements to enter heaven. This is just a little bit of the requirements. Nothing unclean, detestable, or false. No one who does anything wrong will be able to enter into heaven. That's the requirement. 
Guys, none of us meet that requirement. We're all guilty before God. It doesn't matter how often we say, I think I can. We will never be good enough. We'll never be strong enough. We'll never be clean enough. When Jesus says He's going to prepare us a room, He doesn't mean He's taking His hammer and nails to go build us a house. He means that a Roman soldier is going to take his hammer and nails and nail him to a cross. You see, what He means is it's the only way for us to be with the Father is for Him to sacrifice Himself in our place. Because we're not perfect. There's only one who is perfect. Jesus built us a room in the Father's house through His blood on the cross. And it's only through faith that we will ever see that eternal home. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. So stop trusting in yourself and put your faith in God. Put your faith in what Christ has done. Not only do we say, I, I, it's not just I think I can, it's I know He will, it's it's not, I think I can, it's, I know what he has done. Look at, look at verse 3. And I go to prepare a place, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. Or to put it shorter, I'll be back. Right? I mean, that's what he's saying, I'll be back. I'm going to come get you. And, and here is the awesome thing about this promise. Jesus actually means it. He really is coming back for us. That's hard to understand sometimes, right? It's hard to live that way. It's hard not to be fearful. It's hard to always remember that. I know that the best picture I can think of is a child that you begin to take to preschool or daycare or something like that and how hard it is to convince them that you're coming back to get them. They are not convinced, right? They are not convinced for a little bit that you're actually coming back. They are not happy with you until you come back and get them. And eventually they're like, oh, okay, so they're coming back. Then eventually, they, you know, you start dropping them off places like Nana and Papa's, and they're like, okay, Dad, come back whenever. Like, leave. You know, eventually that begins to happen. But, but that's what it means to be a Christian. It means that we are not simply living for here. We are living knowing that our Savior's coming back for us. This should change our lives, guys. This should change the way we live each day. We don't live in fear of what may come because we know that Jesus is coming back. We know that He's coming back for us. No matter what happens, he'll be here soon, and I'll finally get to go home where I belong. So, so when, we, when our insides get stirred up about the things that are going on in this world, we need to remember this isn't our home. This isn't our resting place. This isn't where we're headed. The best house this world has to offer is nothing compared to what God has in store for his people. Jesus has already got you a room waiting for you to move in. So no matter what's taken from you, they can never take the one thing that matters, your relationship with Him. No matter who abandons you, Jesus, your Savior, is coming back to take you home so you can be with Him forever. He will never abandon you. And so no matter what happens, there's nothing we ought to fear as believers except for trusting in Him. That's all we ought to do is trust in Him and trust that He is good and He's working all these things out for our good until He comes back to get us finally. And so we replace our fear with faith. We find peace in His promise. And then, then we have time for one more. Look at verses 4 through 6. Verses 4 through 6 here, we, we see maybe uh, one of the most controversial statements in our day anyway that Jesus makes. So verses 4 and 5 first, it says, And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Now, Thomas asked for directions, right? little means of grace there. I don't, this guy's going to learn. Anyway, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father 
except through me. Jesus narrows down to the only possible way of salvation for us. He, said, he doesn't say you've got to try harder, you've got to do better. He says that he is the only way. And so our, our third uh, point this morning is that realize his salvation is sufficient. Trust that his salvation is sufficient. Realize his salvation is sufficient. He is sufficient for our salvation. I can't even remember. How did I? He is sufficient. Yeah, that, that's good. Use that one. But uh, anyway, I couldn't remember the way that I worded it there, but it's different in my notes. But So re- realize that he is sufficient for our salvation. We can't add anything to what he has done. Give up on yourself and say, Lord Jesus, if you don't do it, no one will. Notice this conversation between Thomas and Jesus. Thomas is thinking that Jesus has given them a new set of rules to follow in order to go to God. So he says, Lord, we don't know the way. Now, there's one sense where Thomas, what he's talking about here, he's thinking that he doesn't know a way to have favor with God. He, he would have understood a way to be a means of a religious system. Like, what's the way? You know, later they're actually called followers of the way. That's the sort of idea, the way that you order your life. And so basically what Thomas is saying is, is how do I get in heaven? What do I do? But so instead of a set of rules, instead of a religion, Jesus gives Thomas himself. Hey, he doesn't say, Thomas, do what I do and you'll be okay. Hey, he, no, he says, Thomas, I am the way. That the answer is not more religion. The answer is Jesus. It's not your, your church membership. No matter how important that is, it is Jesus. It's not more Bible study. It is Jesus. It's not more prayer. It's Jesus. Now, those things come after a relationship with Jesus. Absolutely. But that's not the way. Jesus is the way. It's not through doing good to others. It's not through turning over a new leaf. It is trusting in Him. He is the way. He doesn't show the way. He is the way. He doesn't give us directions to heaven. He says, I am the way to heaven. As he talked about at the very beginning, it's not, I think I can, it's he has done it. Jesus is the way to God. He also says, I am the truth. Rely on the truth that he offers to us. He's not a truth. He doesn't lead us to truth. He is the truth. We're always, we're always trying to find out what the real truth is and what God is like. And, you know, and Jesus says, no, you don't understand. I am the real truth. I am the real God. If you want to know who God is and what God looks like, you look to Jesus. You look, look to Him to find out about God. You want to know real truth, you look to Jesus. Because when your life is falling apart, Jesus is the truth that holds it together. Jesus, it, it, when we don't know anything about anything else, we can know that Jesus is the Son of God. We can know that He is the Savior of the world and that in Him we have life in His name. We don't know anything else. We know that He cares for us. When we can't think of anybody else who loves us, we know He does. Jesus is the standard by which all other truths are judged, not the other way around. This is important because I think in our world, in our culture, we tend to think that truth is unknowable. In fact, you know, that's what Pilate asked at the end of John's gospel. We'll get there, I don't know, another month or two. And he says, uh, you know, what is truth? Well, Jesus is standing in front of him. He is the truth. He is the standard. He is the foundation on which we stand. He says, I am the truth. He also says here, he is the life. This word used here is Zoe. That's why we named Zoe, Zoe. Just because I love this, this word. It describes in the New Testament... When the New Testament writers use it, they use it to describe the spiritual life, the, the high life that, that God offers, the life that God has in Himself and, and Jesus has and that they give to men and, and women who trust on them. He is the, the source of true life. 
He's the source of true life, not just in quantity, but also in quality. It's not just that we live forever. It's that we live eternally well forever. Like, it's not just, hey, I get to live forever in, you know, a little shack. No, I get to live forever in the, the, the Father's house. I get to live forever with the One who made me. And all the, of heaven is open to me. It's not in, in a perfect relationship with the One who made me. It's not just a long life. No, it's a quality of life as well that this world knows nothing about. Guys, this world wants to offer you all sorts of different ways to be happy. They want to offer you all sorts of different ways to be satisfied and find salvation. And, and let's be honest, there are some folks who, for a short time, they can be satisfied with money and success and houses and sex and popularity and entertainment and hobbies and sports and whatever. But there's always going to be that time when tomorrow or today is too much and they're no longer enough to handle it. When it is more than they can handle. There's going to come that moment in everyone's life when I think I can no longer work. And they're stuck. And that huge weight's just crushing them. And what then? For some folks, it's when they're five. They turn and they come to Christ. And they believe. And they walk with Jesus. Maybe this morning, you're, you're getting closer to 85. And your time in this world's coming to an end. Have you put your faith in Christ and trusted in Him and believed that He's the only way. Guys, there will come a time in our lives where what comes next is bigger than we can handle. Where it's a heavier hold than we can, or a heavier weight than we can hold and it's too much for us to control and fix. And so what then? Have you made a plan for what's going to happen then? When the fear comes in, when you have no more answers, you have a choice to make. Are you going to replace the fear with faith in, this God, in God and in His Son? Are you going to find peace in His promise that He's prepared a place for you, that He has made a way of salvation for you, and He provides eternal life for you? And are you going to simply trust in His salvation that is all that you need, is totally sufficient? He's all you'll ever need. He calls you to trust on Him. There is no other ways. He, you, you notice what He says here. He says, no one comes to the Father except through Him. Guys, you can't go around Him. You have to go through Him. That's the only way into heaven. He is the only uh, chance we have of eternal life. His, his offer is very wide. It's for whoever believes. But the door of salvation is very narrow. It is only through Him. If you have believed on Him this morning, if you've put your faith in Him this morning, stop saying, I think I can. And start saying, I know that He will. Stop saying, I think I can. And start saying, I know He has done it. And I know that He has the power and the control, and I'm going to trust Him. And if you haven't put your faith in Him, stop saying, I think I can, and I, I hope one day it'll work out, and start saying, Lord, save me, redeem me, make me new, make me whole. Come and, and fill me with Your Spirit. Ask Him to save you. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins and give you new life and a new heart. When we start singing here in a minute, if you want to put your faith in Jesus, I want to ask you to come as we sing. You come and you pray with me. Let's get this worked out between you and the Lord. I want to see you trust on Him this morning. If you would stand, and as you stand, I'm going to pray. And after I pray, we're going to sing. And as we sing, would you come? Father, I thank you. God, I thank you for your word. 